Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you go. Here you go. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow. You're only a day away. I did not have on the bingo card singing Annie this morning, but today is one of my favorite days on the calendar. I've told you I got a few favorite days. I love it when pitchers and catchers, full squad workouts in spring training. I love opening day, but the day before opening day is also in the top five of my favorite days of the year because the world is your oyster. Everything is possible. Tomorrow is opening day in Major League Baseball, and we've got a show for you. we got to talk all about what's going on in baseball. We are live, nothing personal with David Sampson. Welcome to tomorrow. That doesn't mean you shouldn't live in the present and enjoy your day today, but let's get into it immediately because we have so much to cover. I want to start with, in a very organized fashion, thank you, Matthew Coca. Let's start with the biggest stories of the year. We have heard Brian Cranston. Get that shift out of here. Do you know how easy it is to get celebrities to do voiceovers? John Hamm does voiceovers. There's so many baseball fans. It's funny, there's a department in, in baseball. This is off, off the subject, Coco, but there's a department in the marketing department, the special events department, and each team has their own people that they use to reach out to celebrities to use them for certain things. We never have a problem getting people. The only time it goes south is when we sit in a room, a bunch of white guys, and we say, hey, how can we be cooler than we are? Let's get somebody in to do something who doesn't necessarily like baseball or maybe does, maybe doesn't, doesn't matter, but they're going to get to say that they're associated with it and therefore we're going to look awesome. Brian Cranston, I don't think you get cooler than a meth dealer on TV. He's talking about the shift and the other rule changes, and that is the first of my biggest stories of the year. How will these rule changes impact the game? That has been discussed from the beginning of the decade. That's actually, I shouldn't say that, we're in 2023. From last decade, as we're discussing rule changes, thinking about ways to make the game better, they bring in Theo trying to figure out whether he can shepherd these rule changes into existence. The collective bargaining agreement discussed many of these changes and the way that changes could be made with the newly formed competition committee, which is obviously just the owners doing whatever they want. This all comes from the commissioner telling the owners and presidents in a meeting, your game. It's like Coca says to me, hey, you want to talk about it? It's your show. No, no, it's our show but that's not what the commissioner says. He says, it's your game, not my game. You pay me. So the owners said, all right, let's make some changes. Let's make the bases bigger, the size of like a pepperoni pizza box. That'll get the game in motion. That'll get runners stealing bases. 
you don't want one of your main spring training stories to be that Daniel Vogelback may start stealing bases. But that said, I'm good. Changing the difference in the size between the bases makes me laugh. It's no longer 90 feet between the bases. The teams that are being put together, if you look at your rosters of your favorite team, there was nary a decision made because the bases have been bigger. All of the stats from spring training are meaningless about all the increased numbers of stolen bases, the increased attempts. Let's wait for the regular season. You've got to wait to see how it plays out. I am telling my team, when the opportunity is there, we are going to put the game in motion. I've been telling my team that because we don't have power hitters. I've been telling my team that because it's hard to string together hits against guys who are throwing 99 plus everywhere you look. Starters, middle relievers, and closers. Stringing together three hits, station to station baseball, hard to do. Let's wait for the home run. We don't have home run hitters. Let's start stealing bases. So there could be teams who take advantage. There are teams who have some guys with speed, but the risk of injury, the risk of broken fingers, you're going to see a proliferation of those gloves, those mittens that people wear when they're on the bases. Because if you slide head first, which we don't love, we tell people never slide into first base. It's slower. If you're going to slide feet first into second, we'd prefer it because you can do a pop-up slide, which lessens the opportunity for you to get a instant replay out on a stolen base. Because as you've watched, if the second baseman or shortstop holds the glove on the runner, there's a decent opportunity the runner is going to disengage with the base at one point or another for a split second or another. And that will cause a delay of two minutes and then an unexpected out. Feet first pop-up slide, which we practice in spring training. You get in, you never disengage because you go in with your front foot. And then by the time you pop up, when your front foot pops up, there is a second that it's off the bag. But by that time, your hook foot, the back foot, has engaged with the base. So there's actually never a time that you're off the base. Hand first, you have to grab for it and you often get past it because of momentum. And then you're off the base as your hands are off it, your body is over it, your chest is over the base, and then your feet haven't engaged into your thighs, your knees. Plus, you can jam a finger and be out for three to six weeks. So the size of the bases was changed. I think that that's going to end up being more of a thing that you will see with your eyes versus something that will impact the game. What about the pitch clock? That is what everybody is talking about. There is all the gamesmanship. Go back to previous episodes, which are in the library now on Metal Arc, which we're able to get in the negotiation. Way to go, UTA. A lot of talk about pitch clock and Max Scherzer and other pitchers trying to figure out how do we game the system. Aaron Judge saying we can game it. Max Scherzer saying we can game it. The regular season is going to start the gamesmanship will take actually a backseat to pitchers being effective and hitters being ready. The pitch clock is meant to stop the dilly-dallying. It's meant to really keep batters in the box. That was something that was way more important to us, was keeping batters from stepping out. More batters step out than pitchers who walk around the rubber and grab the rosin and sort of look out at the outfield, look into the stands, look at their phone, look at their pitching under their hat. Have you ever seen that when they take off their hat and wipe all the foreign substances from under their hat onto their hand, onto the ball, trying to get 
stuff going. It's worked in spring training. Is there a chance it'll work in the regular season? Maybe. Will it have the sort of impact in game time that you've seen in spring training? Absolutely not. So we're, we're looking at that. How about the shift? Another big one. You're going to see more base hits from lefties. You're going to see more left fielders playing short right field, more gaps in the outfield because there'd be no outfielder in left field. No infielders can be on the grass, but two infielders have to be on either side of second base. It's going to be interesting to measure whether or not there are enough more base hits that will cause people to swing differently and not try all about launch angle and try to actually get base hits. We'll see. Disengagements of the rubber, my favorite one. A pitcher can only throw over to first base twice. You can only disengage twice. And if you throw over a third time, you better pick them off because if you don't, guess what? Boom, they it's a balk and you get second base. So if you are a runner and you know he's already thrown over once, you don't think he's going to throw over twice because if he throws over a second time, you know you can have as big a lead as you want because he can't throw over again without picking you off so you can get what's called the secondary lead, which is so important if you're going to try to score from first on a gapper. Less important if you're scoring from first on a jog. So that'll be a big story. Number two, baseball coming off the World Baseball Classic is super excited about Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, USA Japan. They are absolutely dying to get the Angels into the playoffs. With Otani being a free agent, the question is, will this be the year that Otani will play his first playoff game? And then we can ask the question, which the media will ask as he's about to pitch the first game of a playoff series. Tell me, Shohei, is this now the biggest game of your career, bigger than the WBC final? And Shohei will have to say, well, I don't want to lie, no. But MLB will say, could you just say this is big because you're finally in October? And Shohei will say, I don't want to say it, but if I pitch in the World Series clinching game seven game, that would become the biggest game of my career. What the Angels have done with their team, Artie Moreno not selling, spending the money. He's got Rendon overpaid. He's got Shohei. He's got Trout. He's got not enough pitching. And he's in a division where there is zero chance, spoiler alert predictions coming later in the show, zero chance, I don't care what the projections say, that the Angels make the playoffs. And that is disappointing for MLB, but it is a story. And the reason it's a story is that Shohei Otani has made it clear he's had enough losing. And when you've had enough losing and you are a free agent, you tend to say, let me go to a team where I can win. However, the sport is littered with people who chose money over winning. Mike Trout signed the extension with the Angels, knowing that he hadn't won with the Angels, knowing that he could have gone somewhere else, where in theory he had a better chance to win over the period of a career, but chose stability and family and quality of living, whatever it is that was in his equation, in his calculus, and stayed with the Angels. Shohei Otani could do the same thing. It's not as though he's all of a sudden hurting for money where he needs to sign a contract that will take care of him for the rest of time. Forbes just came out with the list of highest earners in baseball. Guess who's number one by a landslide? MLB, pay attention. You're trying to market your players. Start getting them to agree to more endorsements. Sell them. 
take the players with personality and find a way to get them to make money. Shohei Otani's making 30 million on the field, purportedly 35 million off the field for a total of 65 million. And that's number one, 35 in endorsements by, I don't know, 3,400%, even more. I don't want to do math at 811 on a random Tuesday morning, on a random Wednesday morning. <laughs> there you go. Can't edit it out anymore. Live every day. I don't even need to tell you to wipe it. I, don't, I can't even say 4869 because we're just live. Unless you're listening, in which case we thank you. In which case we could edit it out. So Shohei's making a ton of money. So will he continue to get endorsements? Spoiler alert, he could sign with the Miami Marlins. He could sign with the Kansas City Royals. He could sign with the Detroit Tigers, Cleveland Guardians, and he would have the same amount of off-field revenue because that revenue comes from Japanese companies who don't give a flying rat's pituitary gland whether he's playing for the Angels in LA or the Tigers in Detroit doesn't matter. He is the pitch person in Japan extraordinaire. I had Coke. I used to sit with Ichiro and talk about this. And he would talk about how he had to manage his portfolio of endorsements and the responsibilities it was off the field, the appearances he had to make, the signings he had to do. And I said, you know, have you seen a change since Miami? And he said, no, no, not at all. There's a change only if I get older and don't play well, but that's obviously proven not to be the case because he's not even active and he still has endorsements. But that said, Shohei Otani is not going to choose his team according to money. And that's crazy for me to say because I always say it's just business. But if he chooses according to winning and the Angels don't win again, we're going to start hearing in May, May 15th, Will the Angels trade Shohei Otani before the deadline in order to get a vat of players because they're not going to make it? And you're hearing it here first. No chance, toilet pants, will the Angels trade Shohei Otani during the season. NGTH. Because of expanded wildcard, Artie Moreno will always have the feeling that they are one run away. Not a, not a batted ball run. One team run. An eight and two a 16 and five run over 21 games. That's so bizarre. I should have said 16 and four, but 16 and five occurred to me. A 16 and five run over 21 games. will get them right back in. And once we're in the playoffs, I'll take Otani and Trout over any other tandem in baseball. So he's not going to be traded, but that'll be a big story. Then the season will end and his free agency will be a spectacle. And people will be bidding against each other there will be no Lamar Jackson situation. There will not be a shortage of offers. I promise you. It will not take him until February. I promise you. Because there will be a team that is going to be so berserk, like in heat, like schwitzing and swollen down below the belt as they try to figure out how do I get Otani and how much money it will mean to me in sponsorships and in winning. Should we go to $60 million a year? I told you, I think it'll be 50 a year. I think it'll be $500 million over 10 years. And the story of his free agency, it's going to be L-A-R-G-E. The next story that's huge is Rob Manford. You're going to hear a lot about this when the season starts. The commissioner has a schedule. All the executives in the commissioner's office have an opening week schedule. They actually hand it out. You'll be going to this opening series. You'll be going to that opening series. You'll be doing this media. You'll be doing that media. 
They try to touch on in the big markets to give interviews. They go to games where they speak to the umpires, the players, the owners. They're on the field before the game. They sit in the box. All of that is happening opening week. Uh, actually more than opening week because that continues through all 30 home openers and some teams don't open for a week. Obviously, someone said to me yesterday, Coke, I didn't even tell you this before the show. Someone said to me when talking about opening day tomorrow, someone said, um, will all teams be playing? And I said, as a matter of fact, yes. And the follow-up question was, is anyone opening at home? I said, um, half of them? This was not the shining moment of the conversation, I assure you, but it was pretty telling. So 15 teams will open at home. There will be commissioners, representatives at many of these places. But one of these talking points that will be discussed is economic disparity, revenue disparity, the difference in the payrolls between the Mets and the A's, between the Mets and the second place team, which I think Coca is the second highest payroll this year, the Yankees, and then after the Yankees, the Padres. Is that really possible is it Mets, Yankees, Padres in terms of opening day payrolls? It very well could be. And the reason why that's such a talking point is that is the cloud. Have you ever gone running? I do this in New York sometimes. I did this in Florida and it doesn't work well in Florida where you leave and you feel like it's good weather, but you see storm clouds in the distance and you say, don't worry, you're going to be fine. Sort of like me on opening day in 2000 and either 15 or 16, when I said, oh, the weather's fine. And then we had a rain delay. That was my least favorite opening day or my most memorable opening day, no matter how you No, not my most memorable opening day. I should rank my most memorable opening days. I'll do it right now. Top five memorable opening days. April 3rd, 2000, the first game I was ever in in baseball, we lost to the Dodgers when Kevin Brown beat Dustin Hermanson. My second most memorable opening day was April 5th. I think I could have the date wrong, but April of 2012 when the new ballpark opened. My third most memorable opening day was the opening day in 2017 when I was totally aware that it was going to be my last opening day. My fourth favorite opening day was 2004 when we were raising the World Series banner. My fifth best opening day was in 2005 when we had signed Carlos Delgado and we were going to have a great team make the playoffs with Jack McKee and maybe win our third World Series as a franchise. And we ended up not even making the playoffs. So the economic disparity is an issue because the owners, like when you go running in Florida or New York and you say, I can make it, no problem. Storm clouds are not coming. And then you're running and all of a sudden you hear some thunder. You take out the ear pods because if you don't, you can get electrocuted and go deaf. So you take out your ear pods, take out your headphones, and you try to run as quickly as you can either home or you can do what I've done in Florida, which is I've knocked on strangers' doors or I've hidden in, in homes like in garages because I don't want to get hit by lightning because I'm scared of lightning, who's not? And I don't want to go deaf. So the storm clouds are owners fighting each other and fighting each other to the point that it will cause a shutdown of the sport after the 2026 season. Those are the developing storm clouds that have informed the commissioner's decision to start the Economic Reform Committee. They have informed the Players Union about fighting against a salary cap, and they have informed 
Commissioner Rob Manford about how he can best approach his next extension. It's keeping owners somehow from not being in a position where their fighting causes the breakdown in labor negotiations. So take a look at economic disparity as a huge story this year. You've got Mets, Yankees, Padres, Phillies, Dodgers leading and down. You've got Reds, Rays, Pirates, Orioles, Athletics. That is not off the top of my head. That is courtesy of Matthew Coca. So when you look at what teams we would, I would make a list. I was about to say we to make myself feel better that other people did it. I'm not sure other people did it. I got several lists before the season would start. One, I got a list of the top prospects in our system and what team they were on, triple A, double A, single A, high A. So I would know who to follow when I got the game reports of every minor league game that would happen. So I would follow those players. Then I made a list of teams that I was rooting against. And so I would want to make sure I would carry it around. So I would look and I'd watch games and watch box scores and scoreboard watch. Side note, everybody scoreboard watches. Everybody does it starting from the first day of the season. Everybody denies they do it. Publicly, I had to deny I did that as president of a team. But of course, we knew our division standings and we knew what our division rivals were doing. We knew what other teams were doing. So you keep a list of teams that you're rooting against. There is... There are two National League teams that every team is rooting against this year, the Mets and the Padres. And the reason they are is the owners don't want to look bad by having the Mets and Padres win, which show that spending money like recklessly, I could argue, in a way that is irrational and actually irresponsible because the Mets and Padres lose so much money operationally from a net cash flow standpoint. Teams want the Mets and Padres to lose. The Mets are in a position where one of the big stories of the year will be the Mets and whether or not they get what they paid for. Diaz, do you think they'll get what they paid for this year out of him? Sadly not. They re-signed Nimmo. They brought in Verlander to pitch to replace DeGrom. They signed the Japanese pitcher Senga to 75 million bucks five years. Will he be a true number three starter? That's not the question. If you are a baseball fan, you're not asking if Senga can be a three starter. What you're actually asking is can Senga be a top one or two starter because you can't assume that Scherzer and Verlander will make it 30 starts each. A lot of pressure on David Robertson to close games. One year, $10 million deal. He is not a shutdown closer by any stretch. He is a wily veteran who has stuff pitchability, smarts, but counting on him to be April to October, not going to happen. So will the Mets get all that they paid for? Will Lindor have another good year? Will Alonzo, as he head towards free agency, figure out how to continue and have power? We're going to find out. Another big story. This is a smaller story for you, a big story for baseball and the people who run baseball. They have got to figure out the Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland A Stadium situation. They simply have to because you can't do expansion. You can't have owners budgeting fees that they would get for expansion without these two stadium situations being taken care of. You are going to hear about it plenty. Tampa and Oakland will have to get their stadium situation handled, and that will be a big story for the year. Let's talk about who I think will be the biggest disappointment this year. 
I've got two concepts for you for biggest disappointment of the year. And I want to do biggest disappointment and biggest surprise. The biggest disappointment of the MLB season, in my opinion, is going to be Aaron Judge. And I want to explain why before all Yankee fans get upset or Giancarlo texts me and says, come on, man. Anybody who's expecting Aaron Judge to have a season like he had last year, you are going to be disappointed. If you manage your expectations about what Aaron Judge can and will do this season, then you won't be disappointed and he won't be the biggest disappointment. But that is a comment to me about all of the fans out there and all of the baseball fans, especially in New York, who assume that Aaron Judge is going to go 62 again. That will make him a big disappointment. The second biggest disappointment of the year, and this may make Mets fans happy, it's not the Mets, it's the Texas Rangers. Jacob DeGrom is pitching opening day tomorrow. People in Texas are so excited. They signed DeGrom, they signed Nate Valdi, they signed Andrew Heaney, both of whom I had with the Marlins. Then they have, from last year, Corey Seager, who's summer picking to win MVP. Marcus Simeon, remember the two shortstops they signed. Here's what they were not able to accomplish during the offseason. I thought that what they were going to do was pick up their stadium and they were going to lift it and move to the center of the country and try to change divisions. When you are in the division with the Houston Astros and the Seattle Mariners and the Anaheim Angels, I am absolutely having a moment of panic live right now. I'm having hand sweat. Are the Rangers and Angels and Mariners and Astros in the same division, Coca? This is an, this, you're watching it. I'm, I'm literally sweating. I have to change before my next interview, Coca. I hope that's right. If not, can you cut it out of the pod? Of course, you're not going to cut it out. You can just have people say that I'm losing my mind. The Rangers have no opportunity to make progress in that division because they are at best the fourth best team, assuming those are all teams in the same division. <laughs> Come on, Coca, stay with me. All right, most pressure. Who do you view as the team or the player under the most pressure? Pressure is a funny thing. Athletes love it. The winning athletes love it. Winning executives love it. Winning people love it. Pressure brings out the worst in some and the best in others. It is rarely neutral. I find pressure to be a very binary concept. And you can tell when you work with someone, both in a clubhouse or work with someone in a business or someone in your family, just someone in general. You can see how they handle pressure and it should be very telling. From a team standpoint, a team is under pressure when they've got expectations that are unreasonable given the talent level, or they have expectations that are reasonable, but the expectations outstrip even the reasonable nature of what an expectation should be. The San Diego Padres have the most pressure on them because they have such high expectations as a team, and they've spent so much money, and they're losing so much money, and their owner's a little mashugana. So the question is, how will the Padres handle the pressure? The Dodgers are sitting pretty. Their payroll went down. Everyone says their division run is going to end. People are sleeping. Walker Bueller is going to be watching Texas, Walker, Texas Ranger and not pitching. Everyone's saying they can't do it. They're going to lose to the Padres. Padres are going to win their division. I'll tell you in a minute whether or not I agree with that, but I will tell you the Padres have the most pressure. Who's in second place for the most pressure? 
the aforementioned Riley Coca Mets. These Mets are now in year year three of Steve Cohn. This is the beginning of his three to five year window to win a World Series. His payroll is so high, you can't see it from the second place. The Yankees can't even see it. And if you don't think that leads to pressure, you're wrong. It leads to tremendous pressure. And my third team, I'm going to go home again. And I'm going to tell you a team and an owner who's under pressure. And his name is Bruce Sherman. He is operating without Derek Jeter. He's operating without being able to say that it was my fault that the Marlins have been bad. He's operating at a payroll that's the second highest in franchise history with an offense that can't score runs, with a stadium coming off looking so good during the WBC and is going to look so bad when the season starts. And a team that has a reigning Cy Young winner and a position player who thinks he's going to win the MVP. And the only time they've won is in 2020 in the COVID-shortened season when they snuck into the playoffs and actually did win a round. But there is tremendous pressure on Bruce Sherman, knowing that his team has gone down in value since he bought it, knowing that the expectation is they've got to show improvement, and knowing that they're in a division where they have no chance to finish anything other than fourth. None. Don't tell me what's happening in April or May or June. It doesn't matter. Seasons are six months. They will not be able to finish ahead of the Phillies, Mets, or Braves under any scenario, regardless of any injuries. That's pressure. All right, Coca, let's take a break. Is it a commercial break? We'll find out. We come back, we're going to review a movie with Idris Elba, and then we're going to get into our predictions for the 2023 season. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't forget to tune into that. <laughs> I can't believe we're not promoting like Showtime series anymore. It's so weird, isn't it? Or Showtime or previewing the uh, previewing the Gonzalo channel, the all 24-hour sports soccer channel. It's going to be a great channel. It's just bizarre. We are Metalark. Got that? Sorry, Mike. Ariel, we're here. Not going anywhere. All right, I still watching a movie. It's getting harder and harder to watch a movie every day. Nope. 
Just kidding. I always have enough time to watch a movie or a TV series. I watched Luther because one of you, please get into my Twitter, David P. Sampson, hit follow. Get into Instagram at David P. Sampson, hit follow. Subscribe to our shows wherever you can. Keep telling your friends about them because we're sneaking up on some people. We are going to make some noise in this world of video and audio podcasting, doing live shows every day. Someone told me and asked me very nicely, please watch Luther. And I said, I never watched the TV series. And this person said, in an exchange, as you know, I try to exchange as much as I can in my DMs, which are open. Please have some patience. It's getting harder and harder. I don't see them all. But it is me doing it. If you get a DM from me at David P. Sampson, I assure you, it's from these little digits. So I still watch Luther because it, you asked me to. And I loved it. And I realized after speaking to Coca, after I saw it, who had watched the series, I had no idea that he that Idris was even in the series. I thought Luther the entire time that I was watching Luther, Coca, I forgot to tell you this, the entire time I thought that it was Dexter, which I also haven't watched. So I had totally confused it. I conflated the series. So this is a movie about a guy who's a cop who's trying to catch a killer and ends up in jail because he's either he commits crimes the cop does or he does things that he shouldn't be doing as a police person, whatever the case may be. He finds himself working with some people in the department, working against some people in the department. There's a total sicko doing some sicko things, totally full of action. I love the old guy who is helping him even when he shouldn't be helping him. It's so obvious when the spoiler alert, there's somebody within who's doing bad things. Like that's not a normal trope in movies, but I was entertained. I'm happy to go with Luther, the fallen son. And I don't know actually why it's called the fallen son because stuff happens at night. I must've totally missed that reference, but it's on Netflix maybe. It's worth it. I'm starting something today that I've not done before. I tried it earlier in Nothing Personal's career where I would establish different number of bats or how many times I dropped my cell phone. People are getting a list of all the movies we recommend, my top 100 movies. Coca has a document that I believe everyone has access to, Coca. I don't know how people can find it, but they do DM me and ask for it. But I'm starting today that I'm going to give a grade for every movie just so you have it. And the way the grades work is I'm going to do the baseball grades 40 to 80. 80 is a Hall of Famer. 40 is bad. You're not going to be in the big leagues for long, if at all, and you likely won't make it. 55 is average. And if you are a 70, you are a perennial all-star and you're a starter, but not Hall of Fame. That's 80. So I'm going to start off with Luther, and I'm going right down the middle. Luther is a 55, and I will rate, rank and rate each movie that I watch, each TV show, so that when you go back to the show, you can decide if you like what I say, then watch what I say is above average or where it is. If you are against what I say, then when I score a movie an 80, don't watch it. When I score it a 40, go out and watch it immediately. All right. Coco, why, do, why is it a horrible scale? 40 to 80 is how we rank and rate baseball players. That is the way you do it. You look at a player and say, hey, he's an 80. It's hard to be an 80. Okay, predictions. 
All right. Yes. I will workshop that with you after the show. If you come up with, I don't want to do A, B, C, D, F. That's boring. I don't want to do like five bats or four bats or five stars or four stars. That's boring. I thought 40 to 80 was really good. He likes the phone check scale. Not. I like that one too. I watched that movie and checked my phone four times. That's a bad sign. All right, let's get into some predictions, Coco. Can we please? Is it time? All right. We're going to go by division. And we are going to give you everything. Let's start in the American League. Do you want me to go bottom up or top down? Do you want me to go with the pennant winner right off the top, Coca, or just go division by division? Let's go division by division. American League East. Yankees will not win the division. Take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays team, and you are going to see very clearly that the Blue Jays have a better team. They have a better lineup, and they have better pitching. And... Take a look at the bullpen because you may or may not have heard of anybody in the bullpen. And guess what? It's better than the Yankee bullpen. The Blue Jays are going to win the American League East. Don't panic, Yankee fans. I'm going to get to wild cards later. Let's talk about the American League Central because that's a division that bores people. Actually, can we rewind and go back to the American League East? Red Sox fans, a little message to you. While you may not be chosen by me to win the division and you may not be chosen by me to make the playoffs. That does not mean that I'm telling you that the Red Sox season is going to be an abject disaster. You are going to measure it only according to October. I'm going to tell you that where the Red Sox are with their players and with Chaim Bloom, stick with them. Don't lose faith. But the teams around you this year are just better. Okay? This message has been brought to you by Boston. Boston. Pasta. AL Central. It's a toss-up between the Cleveland Guardians, who are the team that could. They find a way. They're signing their young players. They just signed Jimenez. How do you feel, Coca? I didn't even ask you this. Are you happy that you traded Rosario and Jimenez for Lindor when you could have had Jimenez and Rosario instead of Lindor? Two for the price of one, except the two of them are cheaper than the one because they're signing these extensions, and Rosario made two. I wonder where Mets fans are about that. I guess it's fine to have a $30 million shortstop in Lindor, but... It's not like the Mets are doing any winning necessarily. The Cleveland Guardians have found a way. Give them credit. They have one of the top three smartest front offices in baseball. And you know where I put the Rays also in that top three. And the reason why I'm so bullish on the Guardians is that they find a way in that division. So my choice for the American League Central is the Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota Twins are a team that I have chosen before and, uh, have not won that prediction. But when you take a look at what I believe is the best acquisition of the offseason was getting Pablo Lopez into that rotation, who's going to start opening day. And I agree they're going to miss Luisa Reyes, but having Pablo Lopez is terrific. Having Carlos Correa comfortable second year in, knowing that he's got to learn how to swim in the lakes because he's there more than a year. There's something about the Twins they're going to win the AL Central. AL West. Can we move on? Houston Astros. That's it. Nobody else has a chance. All right. What about the American League wildcards? There's a lot of talk that the National League playoff teams are set in stone and the American League playoff teams are not. I happen to think that one of the biggest disappointing things about this season is the fact that I can give you 12 teams who I think are locks to make the playoffs. Is there an upset that could happen? One, maybe two, but probably not. 
That's the sort of thing that would make Bud Selig and Rob Manford crazy. You need for every market to have hope that they could do something that could get them into October, especially with expanded playoffs. I guess there's an argument. Well, the Angels have hope. I guess that's true. AL wildcards, Yankees, Mariners, and Rays. I know, Red Sox fans, I've got three playoff teams coming out of the East, and you're not it, which means you're going to finish in fourth. And I know that you've got the Astros and Mariners making it, which means by definition, the Angels and Rangers are not. I'm aware that only one team is making it from the Central because, of course, only one team is making it from the Central. Those are the AO wild cards. Yankees, Mariners, race. All right, let's go National League. National League East, my favorite division, the division I know best, Braves, Phillies, Marlins, Nationals, and one other team. Braves, Phillies, Mets. <laughs> That's funny. The Atlanta Braves are the best team, not just in the National League East, but maybe in baseball. You have a full season of healthy Ronald Acuna. You have starting pitching that's deep enough that Ian Anderson can be earning AAA wages. You've got position players where Freddie Freeman was replaced by Matt Olson. Matt Olson is in year two of his team, which means he's going to be even better than he was in year one, where he was quite adequate filling in for Freddie Freeman. You've got a healthy Ozzie Albies. You have a chance here for a Cy Young winner, an MVP. Spoiler alert, you have a chance for greatness. And on top of that, you've got the balanced schedule. The Braves don't have to play the Mets and the Phillies 19 times anymore. They get to play teams in all divisions. Everybody plays everybody this year. That's pretty cool. The Braves will win the NL East. Sorry, Mets fans. Pay attention. We'll do wild cards later. Braves in the NL East. NL Central. You know Milwaukee's my team. And you know that Yelly's my guy. And you know that I'm upset with Corbin Burns and for being such a baby. You know that I'm concerned that the Brewers' window has closed. You know I'm concerned. You know that Molina is gone from the Cardinals. You know that Wainwright can't pitch opening day. They've got to go with Nicholas because Wainwright got hurt during the World Baseball Classic. You're aware of all the issues. Are you aware of a guy named Nolan Arenado or Paul Goldschmidt? What about the Rookie of the Year candidate, the next Adonis in baseball, Jordan Walker? Their lineup is deep, even without Harrison Bader. Cardinals will win the NL Central, period. NL West, this is a big one. Dodgers, Padres, Padres, Dodgers. The trend is your friend. How can you go against the Dodgers? Dodgers winning the NL West. NL Wild Cards, these six teams are making the playoffs. Braves, Cardinals, Dodgers. Who does that leave? Mets, Phillies, Padres. One, two, three, four, five, six. Those are your six playoff teams in the National League. All right, we'll get to World Series in a minute. Let's go with awards. AL MVP. Shohei Otani should be going for the Jokic. I said it last year, and I will stick to it. Shohei Otani was the MVP of the league last year. I understand Judge hit 62 home runs. What Shohei Otani does, he's two MVP players. You add them up, that's an MVP. Otani will win it this year. I don't care what kind of great season Vladimir has or anybody else in the American League. Otani wins MVP. NL MVP. Did you pay attention to the spoiler alert? It was Acuna. 
Have you forgotten about him? When he's healthy, which he is, what he does on both sides of the ball, he hits for power. He has speed. He has an, an arm. He's got all five tools necessary in baseball to be an MVP. And he's a 70 or above in all of the tools. Grading scale. He's plus 1,000. That's some good value. Ronald Acuna for NL MVP. All right. AL Cy Young. Everyone's going back with Garrett Cole, and that makes the most sense. He's the Yankees. He's the number one starter for the Yankees. No. How about the Houston Astros rotation? Losing Garrett Cole. Losing Zach Renke. Losing Justin Verlander. Guess what? They still have the best rotation in baseball. And I'm not picking Christian Javier. I'm choosing Framber Valdez. While Framber Valdez may not be what I would describe and did describe as an ace, that's going into the year. Watch Valdez pitch this year. Let's see what he does and see if he can become an ace in my mind before 2024. But in the meantime, he's going to get the Cy Young Award in the American League. National League Cy Young. I'm going with a brave sweep for NL MVP and NL Cy Young. And people are going with Spencer Strider, who don't sleep on as a Cy Young candidate for the Braves in their rotation. But I'm going with Max Freed. The reason I'm going with Max Freed is that he is a winner and wins matter, even though you're telling me and people tell me all the time, wins don't count as stats anymore. But put me on the best team. Well, what about Sandy Alcantara? He won the Cy Young Award in the National League on a losing team. I've heard all the arguments. Max Freed and El Cy Which leaves us with the World Series. And here is my World Series pick. For the second time in a row, I am going with a team to do what hasn't been done in 23 years. No one has repeated since 98, 99, 2000, the New York Yankees. This is the year we finally get a repeat champion. I thought it was last year when the Braves would repeat. They didn't. The Braves, the Braves are going to come this close. But the Astros are going to beat the Braves in seven games in the World Series in October of 2023. Astros over Braves in the World Series. And those are my predictions for the 2023 MLB season, which by the way, starts tomorrow. We are, we're, we're live right now at 8.44, which means 9.45, 10.45, 45, 12.45, hours and 15 minutes, 60, 120, 180, 240, 255. We are 24 hours and 255 minutes away from first pitch. Hell yeah. Nothing personal pick of the day before we leave. I don't even want to talk about how bad the heat are. I don't want to talk about it. Pat, you can't go into Toronto and get your butt kicked. We're 42 and 42. We are one day away from getting to pick baseball games. One day away. I got one more basketball game to pick. We're going to choose basketball games and hockey games and all sorts of things. We will do a nothing personal pick of the day every day. And we are going to be sponsored by, I don't know, DraftKings? Hello? Anybody? Sixers, four and a half over the Mavericks today. Sixers coming off the five-point loss push to the Nuggets. Mavericks, who are just a disaster of a team.
You know that. I know that. We've spoken about it. Sixers, four and a half over the Mavericks. That's the pick of the day. All right. That is our show. It's been an MLB heavy show because we've got 24 hours and 253 minutes to go till opening day. It's just business. But God, it's going to be a lot of pleasure. See you tomorrow. This is nothing personal.